This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and the founder of Heroin Training. Today's episode is one that you've all been waiting for, or at least I have since I mentioned it in episode one. We are revealing what's in our notebooks. And joining me today is my fellow analog aficionado, my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is... Honestly, it's pretty magical right now. And I feel... I feel almost shy talking about it to you because it's, it's the past week even has had such beautiful highs that I, I feel like shy talking about it. Um, I don't want to break the spell, you know, um, We've been talking on the show, including really getting into it in our Finding Your People episode, but we've been talking about my intention at the beginning of this year to create more community and to find the right team of reps and to find collaborators that I want to work with. And the past week, even, has just been so incredible. I... I just, I'm coming back right now after, um, we're recording right after dinner I just had with my friend and healer and hypnotherapist who I've mentioned on the show before, Amelia Fortes. She is like going to go spend a year traveling the world, like working her remotely all over the world. And we had this wonderful goodbye dinner for her. And I, um, I've just had so many opportunities in the past week to uh, connect with people who I really admire, um, have admired for years. Like, Amelia is someone who's become a friend after I had, like, the biggest internet crush on her uh, from all of the posts that she did about her work. And um, over the weekend, I went to, uh, I went to an Oscars party that I have been, I feel, I feel really embarrassed to say this, but it is very much like a be a fan of your friends thing. But I went to an Oscars party over the weekend that I have, I have wanted to go to for years. Like I have, I have fawned over online for years. Um, it was hosted by this writer, comedian, Demi Adijuibe, and Demi, um, he was a host of the Gilmore Guys podcast a couple years ago, which you may have heard of. It went it went viral at the time. He and his friend Kevin Porter had this show where they watched each episode of Gilmore Girls, and it was it really blew up. And they ended up having a bunch of people from the show on the show, and the creators of the show went on, and it was a really cool moment in like podcast history. Um, and I loved their show at the time and I've followed Demi since because he is just a brilliant writer and comedian and like film critic. And he has this insane Oscars party every year where he like makes all of the food, like a pun on each of the Oscar nominated films. And he has like 
games contests, like an Oscar ballot contest, and there's always like hilarious art put up um themed to the this year's award season and it's it's hard to explain um but i i he invited me this year and i got to take my my roommate Keisha and it was it felt like such a moment and i know it sounds silly because it's it's like oh i finally went to this party that i wanted to go to but um it's you know beyond a cool party it's it was around creators both in Hollywood and in like the digital the digital creation scene that I really admire and um just you know being there and and engaging with the the food and the jokes and the art up on the walls it was also like these are people who are really inspiring to me and I've, I've spent a lot more time with one of my new agents in the past week and you know building this website which is now out that you and I have talked about and I'm like man this person really gets me you know he really gets me and he's like out there fighting for me and I really enjoy spending time with him and that's what I wanted so badly so my art life is magical. I'm just having all of these full circle moments of people I admire being becoming really big parts of my life or, you know, welcoming me to the table in a way that I didn't expect. And um, I just, I feel really good, Sandra. I feel really good and really lucky and um, and excited but but it's yeah it's so magical that i feel shy talking about it because i'm just like whoa what did i what did i do to get here you know what is what has been the shift grace what i love most about this perhaps besides the oscar pun food which i am also a fan of is how you're talking about it and how you're acknowledging how magical this moment in time is where really you're living your dreams you're literally living out things that you dreamt of and it can be tempting to be moving on onwards to the next thing but you're really reveling in it and thank you for sharing that thank you for pointing that out i mean i think there have been moments in my life where i've reach some certain goal or I've had some amazing juicy experience um and I was not present for it. I feel a lot about I feel that way about the first couple months I lived in LA. Um I had some incredible experiences here and traveling around the world too and I was not present. Like I was always socially anxious and thinking about the next thing and I didn't really enjoy it. All of these wonderful things I got to experience, I didn't enjoy them. And I now I am and I I really appreciate this feedback that you just gave me because that's what I want to be doing. That could be part of the shift that you were trying to identify too. Yeah, and I think part of it is also changing my focus right? Changing the way that I set goals and dreams from a product-oriented goal to, like, experiences that I want to have and be present 
in the process of, right? Rather than, I just want someone to cast me on a TV show. I'm like, I would like to be around people who I feel seen by and who I really enjoy the company of. And then, boom, that happens. So that's probably part of it. Sandra, how is your art life? My art life is along a similar theme. And I would say it's out of control in a way that I'm embracing. This afternoon, I am boarding a train to London. A last-minute opportunity came up to see my sister. And I moved everything around in my work schedule to make this happen. And I've been traveling a lot lately, as I've mentioned on the show. And with each trip, I get this cloud of stress about taking the time off work and how to make that time up in other ways or in other places. And while that is true administratively, that there are tasks that need to get done that take certain amounts of time, I've found that actually creativity doesn't work in such a linear way for me when I'm on adventures. And that just because I'm not necessarily sitting down and putting in the hours of writing time that I would during my daily schedule, I always leave these trips. I come home with one and maybe two solid essay topics, which is the foundation of my work. And those ideas come not from when I'm thinking really hard or or putting in the effort, but when I am being present and open to open to experiences when I'm off the clock. So I finally become aware of that and am really excited to be open to what the rest of this week in London brings me. It's so exciting because I don't I don't know if you remember this, but actually in last week's episode you touch on the fact that you have a lot of trouble with holidays and you have a lot of trouble with weekends. You brought up both of them last episode and it was much, you know, much in the same theme of what you're discussing about fitting in work and and getting, you know, worried about having to stop because you love what you do and getting worried about the expectations around such things, what they should be, what they're supposed to look like. And I love this reframe you're having about, no, it is my work to live my life. That's what I write about. (laughs) I'm writing about daily life, and that means I have to get out there and live it. I mean, that's where the premise and the title of this show come from, is that art is life. What are you looking forward to most in your impromptu visit? Mm, I'm I'm really looking forward to spending more time in person with Junie because we mainly spend time together podcasting on what's your favorite part and Skyping or text messaging. And so I realized even though I saw her in person at Disney World, she was running the marathon for most of it. So um we're gonna we're gonna be in person together with hours to explore and go see theater and 
and see the see the city. So today, we are sharing what's in our notebooks because we are both stubbornly analog girls. And this is actually a topic that in our pilot episode of The Art Life, we both shared what we're most excited about to come for this show. And I think I mentioned, I want to talk about notebooks. So here we are, episode 25, and we're finally sharing our notebook systems. And I'm curious, Grace, to hear what yours are, because a lot of mine have to do directly with my essay writing and my work. Um, And so I'm curious to hear whether yours are work-related or not, and how what you use your notebooks for. I don't actually know. Well, shall I get started? Go on. So it's definitely both for me. Um, I am just impossible with apps and and digital record keeping. I tried so many times to make those systems work for me, even though they are, you know, sending notifications and tracking your progress and always on you if you have a smartphone. I cannot stick to any sort of digital record keeping. So to start, I keep everything analog, including my financial records. I keep all of that written in a notebook. Um, I have Excel sheets that I try to use. And I mean, I keep... I do keep receipts and everything or save them in a box on, on my email. But, um, but even my financial records are kept in a notebook because I, I just don't update it if it's an online Excel sheet or a digitized Excel sheet. Um, but I mean, the most important thing that we've touched on before, for sure, is I do three pages every single day of longhand stream of consciousness journaling. Those are called morning pages. I got the idea from the artist's way, but I've been journaling since I was, I've been journaling consistently since I was 10 or 11, and I have journals from all the years since. So my most important notebook, my most used notebook is always just a basic composition book. That's what I write my morning pages in. I can't do spiral bound anything. Fun fact about me. Like I (laughs) absolutely can't. I know this about you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've talked, we've connected on that before. Um, you know, part of our superhero origin story and our friendship origin story is our love for the passion planner. And I keep meticulous records in my passion planner. Um, but then in terms of my notebook systems, like outside of the finances or the journal, um, I have individual notebooks for so many things. It's not great for space, uh, physical space, but it is what works for me. So I have a sketchbook that I use frequently. I have a book for sort of random project ideas. I have a separate book for 
my like acting um, audition notes and audition prep. I have a tarot journal. I have my Spanish learning journal as I've been learning Spanish. Everything has its own notebook. And I, I have more that we can keep getting into, but, um, but for me, it's been a path of self-acceptance. While I log my reading on Goodreads or you know, film watching on Letterboxd, I still have journals where I keep notes about things. And I've realized that this is just how I like to do it. I don't need to digitize everything. I don't need to store everything in the cloud. I'm a person who gets real pleasure out of using a pen on paper. And if that is what's going to get me to keep track of my finances, then that's what I should do. <laughs> because I'd rather enjoy the process a little bit more and actually get it done. And I get so much joy out of looking over my old notebooks, um, my old notes from acting classes, and you know, trips I've gone on, like workshops I've attended. I really do look back on those things sometimes. And it's so helpful for me on my own path to see how I've changed, to see what I learned and revisit what I learned, different experiences. And for something like my, my, um, my project ideas notebooks, I revisit something like that. And I've got so much juicy, material to work with that I would otherwise have completely forgotten about. <laughs> so that is a little peek into my notebook systems. Each thing has its own individual notebook and um and I use I use most of them every week at least. What about you, Zandra? Tell me about your systems. First of all, I would love to see a visual of your notebooks, and maybe we can challenge each other to share photos with There's, this episode. The photo is going to be me under like 20 different books. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's the reality, folks. So I'm willing to do it, but it's going to be, it's not going to be like cute. It's going to be like, this is psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever works. Make that's my art project challenge for you, and I will do the same in return. So you were talking about how much space these notebooks take up, and it's something that I reflected on in my most recent essay, a stack of CDs, about my insistence to on listening to music in an analog way, and how I've experimented as a minimalist with digital digital systems and it just doesn't work because even though it's a smaller physical device that's containing these things it kind of goes on forever and so i would much rather have a stack of notebooks that takes up more room that i can see how much room it's taking up in my life i love that i love that there's like a a self-assessment, self-awareness that comes with the physical object, um, that it's easy to just kind of distract our lives away um, and scatter our energy when it's just on these endless apps and websites. For sure. And a direct example of that 
is how I got what I call my reporter's notebook. And you have to say it like that. Why do you, you, you even type it this way? And I need to ask why you write it out in this accent. <laughs> I love it. It. <laughs> it just, it makes me feel like an old school journalist with like the, the cap and everything. Um, What's the scoop, love? Exactly. <laughs> Tell us the scoop. Yeah, every time I flip open my notebook, it's it's like I guess this is the one spiral notebook I use technically because has the spiral at the top. But I gotta flip it, <laughs> gotta fl- flip it to get the scoop. I write down, I jot down little poem ideas or little vignette ideas, and um, I had a really great moment at dinner with my friends after writing my stack of CDs essay where they were telling me their favorite albums, and I was like, "Here, write it down in this in this little square in the notebook." And it's my replacement for, like, jotting down a note in my notes app on my phone. So I use my reporter's notebook for those little on-the-go, like a journalist, (laughs) uh, notes that come to mind. But I also use it to draft little things when I'm sitting down to write. If I'm working out a little poem or I'm just starting an idea I use that small page to get started in a way that isn't daunting to me because it's just a little page. I can fill that. And then I have a larger book for which I prefer the Moleskine, Moleskine, I'm not sure, but I love them, the Kaye book, which I use as my essay books. And those are bigger, and I, I draft out longhand the essay once I've decided what topic I am going to work on. So I have the little one, and then I have the bigger one. And then I, too, I, too, have a journal for morning pages, which I use a pocket moleskine um, hardcover. And something that I learned I can do is get it personalized. So I had this done for free as a perk at... Oxford Alumni Weekend. They were like with every journal you buy. They had a, um, they had the. I, I'm I'm struggling to to say which the right stationary term because I could just say like engrave it, but my mom is gonna call me out and say no, that's not engraved, that's letterpress. Okay, but you know what I mean. You are from <laughs> a stationary empire. You are an heiress to a stationary empire, so we wouldn't want to besmirk the the Robinson Burns good name. <laughs> Definitely not. No besmirking. I want to. I want to say engraved though. That's my. That's my final answer. Mom, let me know. And uh, so they they engraved my name on it, and it just brings me so much joy when I sit down to do my work. When I I have this little notebook that has my name on it in gold, that I'm like, yes, this feels very official. <laughs> so now I have to get them all done like like that. So I have a saucy question for you. Oh my. Oh my. I was driving around with my friend, social media, digital marketing guru, agent, Zach. He's he's the person I've been talking a lot about. Um, he, he also uses a, a moleskin for everything. And he has his, like, engraved and whatever leather kind of cover that he keeps he keeps a new one in um 
he just sort of replaces the moleskin in in between and he always is writing little notes when we meet up um, ideas or you know things to do on the website or even just if i say you have to watch this movie he'll write it down in there um and he brought up he said he asked me if i was like a, a journaler and I, i'm like of course i am and we get into a discussion about notebooks and he brought up the fact that like he has his all his journals you know kind of i don't know if he said locked away but like kept in a safe place and he always keeps his on him he's like i had people go through them before and so now mine is always on me and this is something that i understand because i i personally feel like someone reading at least my morning pages is a big betrayal and I want to be clear, like, this is a confusing boundary and one that I myself have messed up before. Because one time, this was many years ago, I was must have been 17, I, like, read a couple pages of my fiancé's uh, poetry journal, where, he, like, he would, you know, write his poetry ideas in. But it was also really a journal. And I didn't know that at the time. And so he was, he felt very betrayed by this and we had a big fight. And, um, I know that someone read my diary before a family member. And I was like furious at that because for me, at least the, the, the diary, the journal, the morning pages are a very private thing and they're not meant to be read by anyone else. And, you know, sometimes they're a venting space and they're a space where I just get out some negativity that I don't really need anyone to read because it's not like real relationship issues that need to be worked out. It's like just your grumpy thoughts. So my saucy question is just how do you feel about people reading any of your notebooks? I really appreciate when people ask. Even if I pass over my passion planner because they've asked to take a look at it, they say, like, can I can I look at how how much can I read of this? So I really appreciate that. And um, a criteria I always had growing up when I was picking out my journals was that it had to close shut with either an elastic or one of those little buckles. It didn't need a lock and key, like Blair Waldorf's set of gorgeous Tiffany blue leather bound journals in a trunk that still got uh, accessed without her permission, by the way. Spoilers. It didn't have to be that, but I wanted to like indicate physically that this isn't meant to be opened. For me, I am more concerned about the creative openness that I need to be writing in that space. So I noticed at some point when I was little, thinking about how other people would perceive my writing if they were reading my journal, I at some point became aware that I was taking that into consideration and realized that I needed to drop it. And I must have been like 13 years old, but I realized that 
that morning page space is to feel free to spell words wrong and have run-on sentences. It's just, it's part of the warm-up process as well as the content and personal details that you were mentioning. All of that is is related to me where I have to, that's my way of letting go of the ego is in that space between those bookends. Letting go of my grammatical ego, my writing style ego, and and trusting that only my future self will reread it and catching myself if I'm like, oh, well, Virginia Woolf's journals were published and their works of arts within themselves. I can't be thinking like that. And may I just say, I think the fact that some of these writers that we admire have had published journals is a huge problem. It's a, it, it's a great detriment to the journaling process of people who need it to be energy clearing, meditative, a warm up for your brain, because it does make people start judging themselves and trying to write in an articulate, smart way for their future fans to dissect. <laughs> that is not what my journals are for. And I think one thing that I've realized in this conversation, and which is perhaps revealing about why I need to have journals, I've realized that I don't want anyone reading any of the things I listed, even my Spanish learning journal. <laughs> and I've realized in the context of this conversation that I'm someone who lives so much of her life online. And in public, I have so so much of a community on these apps and these social media places that I really need a completely separate, private space in my life, whether it's in the hours of my day or in the places that I write my ideas and, and vent and journal. So I'm realizing in the context of this conversation or throughout it, that perhaps the reason I have to have so much be written down by hand in a journal, even if it doesn't make logistic sense, is that I have to have privacy and I have to have spaces that aren't shared. And just doing anything on the computer gives me that feeling of this could be part of a community or this could be shared or I mean let's not get into my conspiracy theories or you know fears about it's so easy to copy paste yes exactly um fears about nothing being secure you know um that's a whole other conversation but I I, I love that this I've had this sort of reveal in myself of maybe the reason I need so much of this to be private is that not a lot of my life feels private and I associate the phone and I associate the computer with a lack of privacy What is the art life? The art life is letting go of the ego. I love that you said that, and I love the way that it's played into this episode. What is the art life? The art life is about designating space for yourself. I love how we both sort of took each other's points from this episode as our conclusion. Me too. 
So, Zandra, we talked about your recent essay, A Stack of CDs, today, and we have talked about all of the ways in which you prepare for your essays. So I have to ask, where can people find your art? You can find my art on heroinetraining.com. I also post my essays on Instagram at heroinetraining. And I send them out in my newsletter at heroinetraining.com slash subscribe. And I realized I actually do share pages from my notebooks from time to time through my secret stories on Patreon. I love to take a picture of the notebooks that I've described and share this is the final essay, and then this is what it looked like when I first started to jot it down. So I love sharing that part of the process, even if I don't want to share my morning pages. So that can be found. The secret stories are for $1 and up at patreon.com slash heroin training. And I'll also mention that our theme in Everyday Wonderland for February is dream which I was thinking about during our intro. So we're going to be working on how to enjoy living our dreams. Well, that's certainly what I'm up to. Yes, it's perfect timing. And we also have a rule in Everyday Wonderland decided upon by the community that whenever you see a stationary section in a store, you must take a moment to browse. Grace Where can people find your art? My art can be found at patreon.com slash gracegordonofficial for the most frequent updates, whether it's modeling work, acting work, blog posts, film reviews. That is where most of my thoughts get compiled. However, now officially we are launched on my new website, gracegordonofficial.com. The people at Sure Thing Media have built my webs- a new website for me, a new membership platform for me. It's already been amazing. They they edited and launched my first YouTube video. I've got a YouTube now. There's so much going on. <laughs> I honestly, I, I, I don't even know how to address the many new projects that I've been hinting at that have finally launched because it's just so much. But if you want to learn more about me, I recommend visiting gracegordonofficial.com, my new website, to get an idea of the many things that I'm involved in and uh, learn a little more. It's so beautiful. And I want to point out a little detail is that I love the loading screen. Oh, thank you. That's all, Zach. Like, I had nothing to do with building this website. The only thing that I had to do is, like, you know, I mean, I looked over it at the end and I said, uh, make sure the podcast is featured on the main page and, uh, make sure, you know, my reel is featured on the mobile version. Um, and that's it. And this man, this man just gets me. You know, the first photo is, like, me and my, like, my, horror-themed, shining, knee-high socks, and it's just so, it's so lovely to, to give up my grip of control and be so beautifully rewarded with, like, collaborators who are 
are competent and brilliant at what they do and not have to be doing everything myself because I could never build a website or utilize a website as well as he does. I'm so happy right now. Well, everyone, let go of control this week and let it out into your notebooks. Mm-hmm. From my side of the world, I wish you a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at herointraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.